Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups, Fallowfield and Mason. In this episode, we hear from Romany Thomas, who founded Juggle, the digital platform for companies to find, onboard, pay and manage experienced, flexible professionals. Romany kept coming up against the same problem in her industry. Witnessing the lack of flexible senior roles was preventing talented professionals from re-entering the workforce. So she decided to leave her role in executive search to solve this problem and founded Juggle. Four years on, her company makes it possible for companies to hire outstanding professional talent in just a few clicks. Romany shares advice on how important it is for founders to prioritise and own the recruitment process of their teams and continue to keep it really close, even when the company scales. And how putting self-care first ensures that her professional self is then in the strongest position to succeed. Thank you, Romany, so much for joining How to Start Up. It is wonderful to speak to you. I was hoping you could start by giving a brief introduction as to who you are and the company that you founded. Yeah, of course. And great to be here. Thanks for having me. So my name is Romany Thomas. I'm the founder and chief executive of Juggle Jobs. So what do we do? Uh, We help companies to essentially find, but also manage and support very experienced professionals. So people are sort of mid to senior level, but on a part-time and flexible basis. And what we're hoping with this, I guess, this flex revolution is that really goes a long way to solving the gender gap in business leadership. That doesn't mean to say that the platform is just for women, but flexibility is, I guess, the silver bullet if we're talking about trying to solve the gender gap in business leadership. And when did you start Juggle? So it was back in 2017. I was starting to think about the idea a couple of years before, and I actually incorporated the company and started chatting to people, but really kind of kicked off in earnest full time in 2017. So it's been just over four years now. And what gave you the idea originally for the company? So my background is all in uh, recruitment and headhunting, and um, particularly at the senior end of the market, it's very, very male dominated. It doesn't really matter which sector you're in. I mean, I was primarily tech, so that's kind of even worse. But the stakeholders, the, the candidates, and even my internal peers at director level at that point, it's it's very male dominated. And I just thought this is so stupid. Um, you know, a lot of my female peers were leaving the workforce, struggling to re-enter, which with what I thought they should do for their level of experience, simply because they needed a bit of flexibility because they'd had a child. And yet in the same vein, companies were crying out for this senior female talent because they recognized that a lack of diversity was hurting them. And I just thought it's so obvious that we need to normalize flexibility, but I also get why that is a difficult transition for, for companies. And we need to make it like a no-brainer and so obvious and easy for them to hire and manage these people that it just becomes second nature. And what was it you did first when you started the business? So I did what I still do now is speak to a lot of customers. So I spoke to a lot of my like corporate clients from headhunting days. Uh, I got involved in lots of mums groups on Facebooks and just went to coffee mornings, that kind of thing. Because the original um, strap line was going to be flexible working for professional women. And, and actually speaking to lots of people made me realize that actually, no, I don't want this to be just for women because all that does is embed gender stereotypes. 
what I want to do is I want to make this accessible for all. But, you know, my personal mission is all rooted in gender equality. And similarly, on the enterprise side, um, you know, I've sold into those companies for over 10 years now. And, you know, it's fantastic when you uh, onboard a blue chip name, but they're pretty hard work. And if you don't have a a product and a, a platform and the technology that's ready to serve that customer, you end up becoming more like an agency to support them. And my vision was always rooted in technology, that this needed to be a technology solution. So that's when I realized, actually, you know, we're very much for the SMBs and we're for men and women. So it was a really useful conversations to have. And what was the best piece of advice you had when you started? It was on the investment side of things where this was a friend of mine and he said, look, don't just take money for the sake of it. Take it from people you actually trust and respect because you are going to go through tough times this is basically a marriage. You're not dating. You are signing paperwork in with these people. And I think that was really true. We said no to a few angel investors, and I'm glad that we did. The one or two that I remember having a couple of question marks on, they have been a little bit problematic. Luckily, legally, there's no issues there. I think that was really, really good advice. It looks so tempting on paper to take that 50, 100, sometimes more K. But if you've got a really odd feeling about someone, you know, don't do it. Who do you listen to now for advice? I do have an informal pool around me of people who I just get loads of advice from and I can draw from lots of other female founders, male founders as well, and a couple of my investors too, and my, my other half, obviously. But the one thing I've really learned over the four years is I need to tune much more into myself. I think that where you realize you don't know anything and you're making tons of mistakes, it's quite easy to tune out of your own instincts because you're like, well, you've let me down and actually my instincts aren't good. And, and you start losing trust in yourself. And I certainly did. And actually what I've realized now is that's wrong, but I actually just needed to put myself through a more rigorous process. It was a learning curve. And now, as always, my instincts have always been pretty good and served me quite well. And generally, when I've made mistakes, it's when I go against them. What was the most surprising thing that you learned about yourself becoming self-employed? I think for me, it's it's building something that doesn't properly exist in the world that genuinely changes people's lives. Um, that's, a, that's a real rush. But the other thing is the freedom. And, you know, that becomes harder as the company gets bigger but but equally I am still the boss and dictate how things happen to a certain extent and ultimately I am in charge of my own destiny and I think that is very empowering. What do you know now that you would have benefited from knowing before? You know what it would almost certainly be around the hiring so because I was a headhunter my assumption was that I'd be really good at it. Hiring people for your own company is subtly but importantly different And I was reading all of the same books that other startup founders do. I was listening to all the same podcasts, all the wisdom about how hiring is the most important thing. But I sort of tuned out to it in this arrogant way because I thought, well, I know that. And that was reinforced in my investment meetings where they were like, oh, actually, we have lots of confidence in you because you're an expert hirer. And that's the hardest thing to do. And you know what? I wasn't because I was arrogant. So I didn't put myself through a rigorous process and made some, you know, pretty blinding mistakes in that year two and three. So I really wish I could go back and give myself a bit of a telling to. But yeah, that's that's probably the main one. And would you have solved it by bringing in somebody else to support you on this because you were too close to it? Or what do you feel was different? I'm close enough to hiring that there were really just tweaks in the lessons to learn. But I would have learned all the lessons that other startups 
founders put themselves through. I would have read the same books and realized there really are differences. I would have put in a much more rigorous process instead of relying on a lot of the tools that I've had in myself from the past. I would have just learned the trade a lot more. So I don't think it was about bringing on external person. I think it was about paying attention to the problem and becoming conscious of it. And how have you stayed inspired during this pandemic? Because a lot of our work is people related and presumably everything went remote. How did you keep going? So my my other half and I don't have children. We were living in London in a really lovely place, but it was still in central London. And right at the start, we just said, this is going to be a year at least you can tell we actually are luckily our office um, lease was coming up so we ended up ending that and the company has gone remote first very successfully and my partner has done the same and we thought let's just get out of the UK as soon as we can so we did we weren't particularly doing anything right because the whole of Europe was stuck in COVID as well but we were in different locations importantly in slightly different weather and we were having a different life at weekends you know able to go to the beach and and things like that which meant that you know both of us were putting in ridiculous hours and I think everybody everybody has been certainly startup founders were really killing themselves to keep their companies afloat and I was I was no different but I always felt very in control of the whole thing because I'd made this life decision that I was away from the city, I wasn't stuck in that room, and I had a bit more freedom. And so psychologically, that kept me feeling in control and happy, even though the circumstances were really difficult. What holes in the road would you flag to new founders? I sound like a stuck record, but um, I mean, we really see this as a platform as well, that the startup founders who prioritize hiring tend to be second-time founders. They tend to be the more successful ones as well. Even later stage for the stage that we are, like Series A, B, the founders who are deeply involved in hiring are the ones that make successful decisions, that scale faster. I saw a really interesting tweet today by a guy called Matt Bradburn, who runs a company called The People Collect. And he said, you know, really, as a startup, you need to do two things. One is hire great people and two is ship great product. And actually, you really can't do number two unless you do number one. So as a founder, if you prioritize hiring and fundraising, um, simple as that sounds, it is very difficult, but it will be the most impactful for the business. When you say prioritize, it's keep it really close and probably do it earlier than you think you need to do it. Correct. Yeah. If you think of um, like the Google founders, they were involved in hiring up until what was it like 3000 employees plus they met everyone. So if you try and emulate the most successful company in the world, that means probably micromanaging hiring. Given that you are juggling all of the hats, you're doing multiple things at any given time. How do you find the time to do it all? I don't really. I think what I do do successfully is I'm very comfortable that I don't do it all. And I just try and focus on the highest value things. So for example, three months ago when we were doing a fundraise, it was that. Um, Now I'm I'm looking after sales and I'm focusing on hiring and that's all I'm going to do. If everything else gets dropped, I'm sort of happy about that. But in general, the stuff that I do try and prioritize as much as possible are the selfish things because I believe that they have multiplying effects. So I make sure that I'm eating well, cooking for myself, exercising, all of the like sort of lifestyle and hygiene factors. If one of those gets ditched to the curb, everything else falls to pieces. Is there anything if you could go back and have your time again that you wouldn't do? 
during our first round of fundraising, this was like pre-seed, so very early stage investors. And we did like a friends and family round, but they weren't putting checks in of like 25K plus, putting in smaller amounts. So we we did it through Cedars and we signed up those terms and I didn't really think anything of it. And then when we came to raise the venture round of funding, the platform held us, they essentially held up the round based on some legal items. And it was so frustrating because they were being ridiculous, but equally we had also signed up to these terms. And if I'd had a bit more experience or if I'd got a bit more advice at that point or just hadn't desperately been trying to rush that first round through, we would have solved that problem. We would have said, no, these are stupid items. They need to be taken out. So that was a very valuable learning curve. And I I would like to go back and change that for sure. And would you change that by getting different legal advice at the time? Yes. It's just not worth trying to scrimp on legal stuff. You know, you are going to do a number of transactions if you're venture backed and it can get really nasty if you don't have proper legal support. And what is it that you love the most about being a founder? I actually really love the team stuff now, um, which I, I didn't for a long time. But this is perhaps a symptom of the fact that we now have the right team in place. I really love developing the culture, watching people grow, seeing how they're impacting the company, um, and then consequently how that really impacts people's lives. We get messages from professionals that we're placing. You know, I was stuck in this job and now I'm working here three days a week. I'm able to do some charity work. I'm able to spend more time with my son. And just hearing those stories is like, yeah, I mean, this is why we're here, right? To make this world of work a little bit better. And that really is happening. So that gives me a huge rush. What is it you enjoy the least? Oh my God. So there's just so much admin involved. I can't get over it because I guess as a founder and a CEO in the early days, you sort of fill in the gaps of where there isn't stuff, right? And you want your engineers to be focused on engineering, product design, sales, marketing, customer success. You want them all to be laser focused on what they're doing, which leaves a lot of the operational admin stuff. And I can tell you, I'm hopeless at it, hate it, but it needs to be done. So definitely that. Do you have any sort of key advice for managing clients or teams or suppliers at all? Yeah. And I think I've learned this the hard way is to be truthful and tackle issues head on. So the minute that you get that tingly feeling that something isn't right, and this goes back to tuning into your into your instincts, ha- figure out what it is and have an honest conversation. We call it eat the frog. It's one of our values. Um, open communication, eat the frog. Just do it then and there. The, the amount of times you can save time or save relationships based on just being truthful early is incredible. And any last piece of golden advice that you'd want to offer a new founder that has really stayed with you in your experience? I'm a relatively sales-focused CEO, but almost every CEO needs to be selling. That's pretty much your job. Um, And something that I found and and just had a discipline to do 10 calls in the morning, sort of 8.30, 9 o'clock. You'll mess it up occasionally, you'll miss them occasionally. But if you start your day like that, you'll be surprised at how quickly it becomes a habit. And weirdly, you'll look forward to it because sales is one of the few input equals output disciplines out there now. Thank you so much, Romani, for your time and advice. I have learned so much. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to contact Romani, you'll find all of her details in the show notes, along with a recap of the advice that she has so kindly shared. 
Thank you for listening to How to Start Up. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it. Thank you.